507. I don't know why it's taking me so many tries to record this intro. So I'm going to make this quick because I keep messing up. But anyways, guys, I'm so excited about this episode with Mia. She is amazing, such a badass. And I think that we are able to open up the conversation about something that is like one of those big elephant in the rooms when you think about two topics that are, for lack of a better word, taboo. I think two that come to my mind are mental health and sex and they're just so intertwined and I love how me and I were able to really unpack you know why that is and talk about some things that I don't know maybe you guys have experienced and I would love um, to hear any of you reach out and you know either provide an anecdote or mention something that's like stuck with you because I know that I it's definitely been something that I've dealt with dealt with in the past and yet I can't recall having a conversation with a single one of my friends about it. So really excited about this episode and I hope you all enjoy. Uh, but before I dive into that, I wanted to really quickly plug Sakara because they're just one of my incredible sponsors and I really love their food and I love how it makes me feel. And I think if I were eating um, a Sakara three-day meal instead of sliced cheese this past week, I'd probably... Um, you know, be doing a lot better in the stomach area. So for if that's not your reason, I completely get it because I'm a little weird. But anyways, if you go to Sakara.com and use the code XOZOE at checkout, you've got 20% off your meal. This also applies to some of their mating products like the Metabolism Superpower, which is delicious, and the probiotics that I use, and just a ton of stuff. So Again, that's code XOZOE at checkout for 20% off. Do this instead of eating sliced cheese. And <laughs> I don't even want to explain what I've just been like devouring. It's like sliced cheese and wine. I'm trying to be classy, but it's just, yeah, that's my life. Anyway, without further ado, let's talk about sex with Mia. I'm so excited. Keep me posted and let me know what you think. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Mia Davis, who is the founder and CEO of Talk Taboo. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. I'm so excited to talk about sex. <laughs> um, so before I dive into that, though, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about yourself, where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Sure. I forget how old I am all the time. Um, conveniently, but no, I, um, so I'm from Chicago, a suburb outside of, the, of Chicago and, um, I'm 28 years old. I'm currently in San Diego. Uh, what was the question? Just where'd you grow up? Um, that's pretty much it. And so what led you to San Diego? Well, I literally moved here two weeks ago. Um, I was living in San Francisco. So I went to school, I went to Stanford. So I was in the Bay area for like well, including school, I guess I was there for like six years. And then I moved to New York for three years. And then I was like, oh, you know, I have so many friends and 
um, just like connections still in the Bay Area. So maybe I should move back to San Francisco. So I did about three weeks before the shutdown. And, um, and then I was like, I don't really want to be here. A lot of my friends moved and um, I figured why not move to like a beautiful place. And, you know, we're still kind of in quarantine. So I just figured why not? So that's why I moved to San Diego. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it feels like forever ago, but I think it was like San Fran. That was the first major city, like quote unquote hit, even though we were all probably hit with COVID. And then I just remember being at a client visit and being like, well, it's all downhill from here. Like New York is a cesspool already. So yes, literally, San Francisco also shut down, like I think pretty much first and was yeah. very, it has been very, very strict, even moving here and just seeing the difference in sort of like the cultural attitudes and like yeah. wearing masks and stuff. It's completely different. Um, than SF and getting used to that is a little bit weird it's just jarring but um, I do remember thinking like maybe I did pick a good time to get out of New York I mean I obviously like things are improving but I was like uh, also not just because of the cases but because of like space I yeah. feel like being in such a small space because of course like New York City apartments are smaller I mean most mine yeah um, so I was like, oh my gosh, if I had to be enclosed in such a small space, that could be not great. Yeah, this is so off topic. But yeah, I'm thinking of going to Austin for like the warmer or the colder months because I'm like, why would I want it to spend January and February, which are already miserable, even without a pandemic in New York in the cold when I'm working from home and we're not going back to the office. So yeah, but that was a complete tangent. (laughs) Um, so anyways, for those who don't know what Talk Taboo is, I was hoping you could just quickly give like a elevator pitch of your brand and then we can go into like the inspiration behind it. Yeah, totally. So Taboo is a, I would say, wellness resource for all things sexuality, sex, um, mental health and relationships. And we exist to just give you answers to your questions and provide you with the resources and tools you need to make informed decisions about your body and relationships and feel more empowered. And then we're building something new to connect you directly with like, if you want to find a therapist or a coach, um, we're building a new platform called Taboo Wellness for, um, for finding actual care and for those care providers to um, launch their businesses. So that is awesome. So when did you launch it and, and what inspired you? Like, were you always interested or passionate about those subjects or was it kind of like a spur of the moment thing? Yeah. So I definitely was not always passionate about this space. In fact, that's kind of why I created it is I grew up super conservative and just not having these conversations, having zero real resources and just, mm-hmm. um, and just not feeling empowered to even talk about it. Like, I, you know, went to a really religious school for like 11 years and, um, and then just had more abstinence-based sex ed. I think we, I, I, my high school is in like one of the most conservative counties in the U.S. And not, but weirdly, it's not like it's a super, um, like I would imagine that being in like the South or something. And it's not like that at all, but it's just a conservative town. Um, And so, you know, which, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I feel like it's not like it's super like culty or something like that. Not that that's what it means to be conservative, but whatever. Anyway, just ignore what I just said. But the point is, is that it was very conservative. And so, you know, it's just, um, that's how I grew up. And because of that, you know, I had a lot of shame related to my own body and just like 
guilt and just like feeling weird and alone and not knowing what's going on. And then um, I had some experiences with sexual trauma in and after college. And so just not knowing what to do and like uh, how to sort of just not even being able to really identify or talk about my experiences and um, where to go as far as like healing from them. And so, um, you know, I just ended up having a conversation with my friends and feel like a broken record because I feel like I've told the story before, but it's true. So we just had a conversation about like the depiction of sex in the media and how, you know, you always see people coming back from a date and then it's like pushing against the walls, like just zero to 1000, no condoms, no conversation. Uh, wake up and you know like panting and last for two seconds and then you wake up with like the blanket conveniently like tucked over them whatever and it's just yeah. not realistic and we were just laughing about you know where are the awkward moments or like queeping or like whatever ridiculous thing that happens during normal uh, very you know typical sex and how do we make it more normal and just funny and fun and so, you know, we started brainstorming like fun ideas for just like sex toy products that were super literal, like double entendres and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and that kind of, for me, I was at the time working um, just, you know, in tech as a product designer and just thinking like, okay, well maybe we could build something. And so that ended up being taboo and just, we, you know, I started just like put up the site, talktoby.com and started the Instagram and just was like, how do we just start building conversations and creating content? Um, we had an app for a bit and just, that's kind of how it started. And it's evolved from there based on just sort of like what we've seen from our community. That's so awesome. And it's so true. I mean, even thinking about it now, like how, I want to say like romanticized, but that seems like the weird term to reuse. Like, sexes in in the media um just or idealistic maybe is a better term or like male centric just a lot of a lot of different terms that just are false and don't accurately explain what the experience is more like in the eyes of a woman I'd say um do you talk at all about the trauma like sex trauma you experienced yeah I mean I now definitely kind of mention it because I feel like like before and especially when I start even when I started I don't think I directly tied why I was starting um to that necessarily I mean I did know that a lot of it was um like I was just really driven by the idea of like um people not only understanding sexual assault and the nuances of it but also trying to prevent it from happening um mm-hmm. that's something I'm super passionate about and I realized like it's not just about having those assault trainings on campus like whether it's no means no or yes means yes it's just so limited and it's not really talking about gray areas it's not really talking about drinking it's not really talking Mm -hmm. about like just a million other things and it's not and it's also not talking about like okay well what if you have experiences what do you what then um and you know I think a lot of people are very I think the me too movement also kind of so I started working on taboo in like 2016 and that was the year Trump was elected. It was like the end of that year. And then Me Too movement was kind of like around that exact same time. And so I do think even from when I started to now, there are more conversations in the media, um, obviously, but I still think that, and sometimes I'm like, am I just in a bubble where I see all these things because of what I follow and what I do, obviously, or is this really shifting? I don't know. Um, 
Although at the same time, even looking at like the upcoming election, I am concerned maybe things haven't shifted so much. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, I think I I do talk about it and I think it's important to name it. And I think it's important for people to, I I mean, I know so many people who have experienced um, varying degrees and varying experiences. And so just hopefully people feeling like, you know, there's uh, life beyond and after there's resources and tools to heal. Yeah, it's interesting, like, I mean, for a number of reasons, I think even just hearing you, you know, say how you weren't really, I guess, for lack of a better word, interested or involved in like the sex ed world or education um, prior to that. And it's kind of reflecting on my own experience with like this podcast and why I started it. I would say in a similar vein, like, I don't really know if I intentionally started it to like unpack my own problems, but that was definitely a, an outcome like an, an unexpected and like really appreciated outcome that came from it. Like I think I, I wanted to do it more as like an advocacy thing, but in having conversations with people who were already open about like eating disorders and already open about like, suicide ideation or things like that like got me speaking and I was like wow this is therapeutic and like not that I didn't talk about that before because like I've been in therapy like for 20 billion years but like it's it's just interesting like the things we subconsciously gravitate towards based on our own experiences I think totally I mean I 100% built taboo for like the younger version of myself yeah, and future version of myself and like the current version of myself because it's I mean it's selfish it's totally like oh I've had these questions or I have this um concern or issue and like if I have it and I wasn't able to find good research even now when I'm like if I if something happens and I'm, I, I I still google things all the time and when I don't find good answers I'm like oh great we'll write an article about that yeah um, or like do a video about that because people it's always changing. Like you're, you're always evolving and having new experiences. And I feel like I am just like, if I'm going to, or my friends, you know, my friends are constantly like, like with dating or with whatever, like, Oh, is this normal? Or like, what should I say to this text? Um, you know, it's like, we're all still having these experiences and like very much fun for me to be able to bring in experts and just answer all my questions. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, So I had a ton of questions about the connection between sex and mental health um, going into this. And I then, as I kind of mentioned before, like we started recording, I opened it up to my followers to see what they had. And they also had questions, which was awesome. And I'm sure that even more people had questions, maybe didn't respond, whatever. So... I guess this is like a very broad question and I'm sure it's quite nuanced, but medication aside, cause that's a follow-up question. Does the state of your mental health affect your sex drive? And if so, how? Oh yeah. I mean, 100%. Um, and I also want to like make the disclaimer that I am not a sex educator, nor am I like a therapist or a doctor. But I've learned a lot and I do think it's important to make that just or just to say that just because I think there's a lot of people out there who kind of like purport to be something that they aren't necessarily and you can be an expert in your own experiences but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have 
the, like, like the qualification, like the qualifications to like teach people. So take what I say with a grain of salt, but yes. That's like my entire podcast. I'm like, I didn't even what, didn't take a single psych class. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, 100%, your, the state of your mental health, like, so for a lot of people, um, we actually have like a course on like desire and how desire fluctuates and people with low desire or low desire partners and how to kind of navigate that. But a lot of, I mean, sex is so mental, right? So like how you feel that day, if you're in a, if you feel like disgusting and tired and like not good about yourself or you feel like, think about when you're just like, oh my gosh, I, I don't, whatever, you're having whatever insecurities, but there's body insecurities or whatever. The chances of you having like a really amazing sexual experience are significantly reduced because you're not feeling your best and you're not feeling good about yourself or you're not being like, it's like about like mindfulness, like you're taken out of the moment um, because you're too focused on like Mm -hmm. other things that you're self-conscious about or that you're just not feeling good about. Or if you're just really tired, low energy, you know, you might not have the desire for sex. And especially if you're experiencing like a lot of anxiety or depression that can also contribute to just having a lower desire for sex. Now, some people, and this is kind of coming up with the pandemic, some people respond to like having a crisis situation can put a lot of um, like an increase in like cortisol and like all of this um, stress, stress hormones. And that can definitely reduce your sex drive. On the other hand, some people when they're super stressed use sex as relief. So many people might actually have, you know, want to just have sex or masturbate or whatever because they need a source of relief. So it's kind of different for everybody, but it is pretty common that if you are dealing with any type of um, depression that you would, you would have a lower um, desire for sex. I'm curious, like for that, la- the, you know, second avenue people who makes them hornier, for lack of a better word, is that more common in men? That's interesting. I'm honestly not completely sure about that. I think there's a lot of um, fallacies around like men having more like like a higher libido. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of women or just other genders that definitely have a strong high libido and actually almost suppress it because they're taught that that's like not normal or that that makes them some type of like sexual deviant or like whatever. And so I do think that, you know, I think also like, I think testosterone is related in terms of like how your hormones and like when you have higher testosterone, you might be more, you know, craving sex. So obviously that would lend itself to thinking that men might, you know, be more. Um, but also I think that it's, it's just hard to separate, right? Cause it's like, yeah. it's telling men that they should always be having sex and that sex is like a, a marker of like success, then clearly it makes sense that they're more motivated and they don't have as many things going on in their brains telling them that they shouldn't even be having sex. Whereas like for a lot of women, it's like, oh, if I want to have sex or if I want to go have a, you know, sleep with someone or just go and have a casual date and have a casual sex partner, that's somehow seen as like not good. And so is it like, biological or is it social conditioning that makes you know that kind of has created that myth yeah that's so interesting it's and, and it's true I mean like I I definitely have friends who ha- like have a higher sex drive than me and I'm sure there's a lot more women out there like that but as you said it's you know you grow up think it's like 
this vicious cycle of thinking that men are the ones who have the sex drive and women are the ones who are more in like the submissive uh, part of the power dynamic and then you kind of like fall into those categories as you get older and then never fully learn or try to learn like what the like real part is like the only and like this is part of the reason why I love salt uh, I just call it just salt salt in the city sex in the city so much <laughs> because I'd say I mean especially for its time aside from like some like non-PC comments they made because it was in the 90s like that was probably the most accurate display of female sexuality like Ever. And then it just kind of went away, sadly, in 2001 or 2002. And then but like, you know, you think of like Samantha or something. And like, I'd say they're even though a compl- they're not a great portrayal of like diversity in New York, they are in many ways, like in terms of sexual diversity. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, you know, what's so funny? Well, I love Sex and the City. And I think, you know, I show where you can just watch like you can watch any episode not to watch it in order sometimes i'll just like randomly be like oh maybe i'll just like tune into you know like this random season two episode i don't know just because it, it you don't have to watch in any particular order yeah to watch but another show that's shockingly i just um watched like the entire however many seasons there are of golden girls from like i don't even know oh, when yeah, the like yeah I used to watch it if it was ever on at like my grandma's house. And then I think a year or two ago, I just watched all the seasons. And now just the other morning, I was like, oh, let me watch an episode of Golden Girls. And all of those characters, they're like in their 50s, which is ridiculous because the way that they're portrayed is as like so old. And Yeah, that's so funny to think about. (laughs) Nowadays, like J-Lo is like at the Super Bowl at like age 50 or whatever. And, um, but they actually do show... Even just like, you know, dealing with so some of them, like actually I think all, of, no, two of them, their husbands have died. Um, one of them is divorced. And they do actually show like Blanche, for example, has like, is always talking about sex. And then they show, you know, another character who's like nervous to have sex because she's only had it like with her partner who died. And they actually really get into very nuanced topics. And I'm like, wow, this, this actually really held up and is an awesome show. So surprising but highly recommend um, and then I had a quick comment about what you said um oh yeah just related to even just this male woman or man woman like dynamic of like higher sex and less of a desire we also see a lot um at least I've always heard so many like older women talking about how like oh, like, I don't want to have sex with my husband anymore. Or, like, there's this trope about, like, once you're married, you never have sex. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Once you're older, you're never going to want to have sex. Um, and you're, Or, like, even, oh, I've reached menopause. Thank goodness. Now I don't have to have sex. And part of me is, like, first of all, so many other women have said once they hit a certain age, it was, like, their sexual prime and they're finally mm-hmm. confident enough to, like, ask for what they want. And I think a lot of the not wanting to have sex might have to do with having not so great sexual experiences. So if you're never experiencing pleasure with your partner because they don't know how to pleasure you and you don't know how to pleasure yourself and you don't know how to tell them how to pleasure you, then of course you're not going to want to have sex for the rest of your life because you've never equated it to something fun. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so interesting. And it's like, I I think that's being talked about more about how like 
at least I've heard in podcasts, like being in your 30s is like your sexual prime. But I'd say, I mean, maybe it's because I'm now in my 20s that I've been hearing it more. But like, I don't really think that was talked about much like 10 years ago. I I mean, everything was like, oh, 20s is going to be the best. And like, here we are, 20s and a global pandemic. So I'm not loving it. Like, (laughs) so far. Um, Hope for the 30s. Exactly. I'm like, okay, 30, 40 and thriving. Um, But I guess, so another question that I got asked and also um, was on my mind is the connection to medication. Um, I'll give like a quick background because like in hindsight, I think this story is maybe not funny, but it's very telling of like where my mental state was in 2015. So when I started going to therapy and started seeing a psychiatrist, I, you know, the conversation of like, maybe you should go on medication was, uh, brought up. And, and I remember at that point, like I was a, in a very like bad relationship with food. Like I was slowly going into an, like what would be a really bad eating disorder and B not even like wanting to have sex that much, but definitely like definitely having sex. And so, you know, when they bring up the side effects of an SSRI, they're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, possible weight gain and lowering your libido. I was like, mm, no. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in hindsight, and then like, I guess a couple years later, once I did start taking uh, medication for my anxiety more regularly and the way my doctor, who was amazing, explained it is like, OK, you're not you have no libido now. Like you're depressed. You're, you're underweight. Like why not take like if anything this will help but I guess from your stance and like what you've learned how do you weigh the pros and cons of like let's say you know you've been on an SSRI or something for a while and you're getting better and you're better mental in a better mental state like how do you weigh that part with the fact that you're taking a medication to help that that's also lowering your sex drive and like is there a way to counterbalance that yeah that's an amazing question and I think such an unfortunate struggle that Mm -hmm. so many people have and to have to make that choice um it's like it's really tough and I think I'm actually really happy and impressed that your doctor did inform you of those side effects because there are plenty of uh, especially with women a lot of doctors will kind of just dismiss some of those side effects. Um, whereas like, you know, I think with men, I think it's commonly like, you know, it's just like, Oh, if this is a side effect one, it's made a big deal. And two, there's like, Oh, well, you can kind of take like ED medication, which is the best solution anyway. But, um, yeah, I think it's such, it's, I mean, ultimately of course the answer is kind of like, it's a personal decision and I think it's about like, like you said, you know, when you're already experiencing other conditions that are affecting your sexual desire, then, you know, it's like, okay, well, I think it's about like looking at the whole picture, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, if this is going to really help um, with your overall quality of life and there might be this side effect, like it's just something that, I don't know, you have to kind of just look at and think about, okay, well, this is ultimately going to really help me. And that actually might have end up having, and you don't know, like, you know, the side effects are different for every different person and every different body is going to react 
is going to react differently. And birth control actually also in many, many people has um, a similar side effect. And which is ironic for people who are going on birth control specifically um, to prevent pregnancy. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, and I've had plenty of friends who have, even myself, I had a lot of different, I ended up going off of birth control because the side effects I was experiencing weren't really worth it for me at that time in my life. And so I think you just kind of have to think about like, what is the priority here? And especially when it comes to like your overall health and mental wellness, I do think that, you know, um, I do think that it might be worth that side effect at the same time, like you said, kind of like, how can you balance this? So um, I'm really excited because I actually have an upcoming video on this topic. And I feel like um, the sex educator that we're working with has far more qualifications <laughs> to speak this than me. So I'm like hesitant to even really say much. Um, but you know, there's so many things that do affect your overall desire for sex. And so one of those can be medication. Like we talked about earlier, one of those can be just like your overall mood, do you have energy? And so there's certainly so many other things that you can do in your life to kind of address your sexual desire. So that might be like, if you're just really, really stressed, thinking about like, maybe I'm going to go to therapy. Also working with a sex therapist through a lot of these um, issues is a huge, is a major recommendation, I would say. And so that doesn't, so there's people who are just like certified sex therapists. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, what does that mean? And really what that means is that they are just like any other therapist. They can be a marriage and family therapist. They can be a licensed professional counselor. They can be any type of therapist, but it means that they've gone through extra certifications and programs and training to talk about sex. Um, and to be able to navigate those conversations in a more informed way. And so a lot of um, therapists, you know, have gone down the, right, uh, down the route of actually becoming a certified sex therapist. Other therapists still might have more training around it, but looking for someone who's at least sex positive um, that you can have those open conversations with, I think would be really, really important. And, and they can definitely help you kind of work through this if that's what you're going through. Um, but also looking into other, you know, things, maybe like, yoga or maybe just like doing something you enjoy if you just want to like dance it out or like find a new way to manage your schedule just kind of eliminating the stress factors mm -hmm. or working to address those is actually going to like end up having a positive impact on your libido um similarly if it's just like exercising sleeping well getting good rest eating well like making sure that your body feels um, nourished and like all of those things have an impact on your libido. So not necessarily just the medication. And so it's kind of like looking at other, looking at it like in a holistic way of like, what are other things that I can do? And I don't just have, you know, maybe if sex isn't something that you're having a huge craving for right now, what are other ways that you can experience like sexual intimacy? If you do have a partner, if you don't, you can, you know, and you don't even have a desire to masturbate, you don't have to, that's literally fine. If you don't want to, you don't have to. If it's important to you, then, you know, it's something you can work on. And if it's in a relationship, what are other things we can do for intimacy? Or what are other things, you know, talk to your partner. If it's like, maybe they're, you know, just other things and being open-minded about like how you can kind of address those concerns. Um, because you should never, what you should never do is like push yourself to have yeah. sex if you don't want to have sex and if you're not feeling it. Um, but, you know, if it's, if it's becoming an issue, then I, I would recommend talking to a therapist about it and just looking at other things you can do to kind of like um, improve your overall desire. And it really just is all about your overall wellness, honestly.
Yeah. It's interesting, actually, that you brought up sex therapy because even I feel like I didn't have a full grasp of, like, what that meant of, like, being a certified sex therapist. And, like, for context, I'm looking to go to school to become a therapist. So, you know, I feel like that often has the connotation of working with couples or working – yeah, I guess with couples <laughs> or partners or, or a marriage to rebuild the sexual intimacy. But it's it's interesting to hear that it's more so, I mean, I'm sure a lot of sex therapists work with couples, but it can also be um, tailored to just like a, a one-on-one session or like incorporated to, you know, your regular weekly therapy um, to talk about how to, you know, resolve those issues because in so many ways as, Obviously, both you and I know like mental health and sex are so intertwined. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, and they are, like I said, they're trained in as a therapist, like first and foremost. And so it doesn't mean every single session that you're even talking about sex. It just means that when that comes up for you um, or, or maybe, maybe you want to go to uh, unpack sexual trauma or something like that. And that's definitely something that they can help you work through. And then also other daily life topics that you want to talk about. So I think for me, I would honestly recommend anyone go to a sex therapist just yeah. because, or at least someone who seems a little bit more, because there are plenty, I had a conversation with um, a marriage and family therapist recently, actually two of them, well, I, I had the conversation and then I told the other one about the conversation. So the first conversation was she said she had a client and it was a couple, um, but for, they had been working together for like seven to 10 years. And the topic of sex never came up. And then they ended up, sorry? With the couple? With the couple. Topic of sex never came up. And then they went to, they started going to a sex therapist and told her they hadn't had sex in 10 years. And yet with this other therapist that never even came up. And I was repeating that story to this other therapist. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm guilty of that because I've had so many clients and I don't know how to approach it. I don't know how to talk about it. And it's kind of like, and they don't like, it's awkward for people to bring it up themselves. So it's kind of nice to have a therapist that might say like, not in an inappropriate way, but like, you know, like you're just asking like, how's your sex life? Or like, how's your desire toward each other, et cetera. But if no one's prompting that conversation and you're putting it on the You're not going to bring it up. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's like even going to the doctor and like, you might be like, oh, I'm kind of experiencing this. Like so many doctors have funny stories about how the person will literally, the patient brings up this huge issue in like the last 10 seconds, like as like, oh, any other questions? Well, actually I've been having this major thing for like the past five months, but I don't, you know, and then you're, then you've got no time to talk about it. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And so, um, so yeah, so going to someone who's just more, uh, has more training to bring those things up and have a, have a healthy like conversation about it where you don't feel shamed or judged, I think is like just huge for anyone who's sexually active or, um, or even if it's just about sexual identity, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. My hope is that like in the future that it'll be more ingrained in, um, you know, education or I guess like becoming a licensed therapist from the beginning, just as like, I also hope that (laughs) sex ed in public schools or in grade school is also majorly changed because I don't even remember what we talked about back then, but definitely was not helpful. Um, (laughs) I guess another question I had, which was also brought up by someone was how sexual trauma can manifest 
in itself in relationships, uh, specifically sexual relationships, like from, you know, what you've learned from experts and like from what you've posted on Talk Taboo, like what are some ways that people who have either suffered a sexual like assault experience or had an abusive partner, like how can that translate into something with a partner who's new and, but also, you know, kind and respectful? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. I think that it can be really challenging to not bring in those fears and um, those experiences with you, right? You carry them through life, which is why it can be really helpful to like unpack them with a professional or even just having spaces, whether it's other friends or other support um, networks that can help you sort of like talk about your experience. I think also being able to, because once you can talk about it, I think you're able to then talk about it with your partner. And I know from my own experiences, when I like started, so I like dated someone and, you know, I remember I just couldn't talk about it at all. And it was clearly an issue. You know, I was like having a lot of triggers and just like panicking or just freaking out mid sexual experience. I was experiencing like sexual pain because my muscles were like tensing up and fear. And then I wasn't able to communicate it. And of course they took it personally because mm-hmm. we're all, we're all in our own heads. So that's another thing with sex is like anything, anytime something happens, you're thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I feel so bad or I'm so sorry or whatever. Or like, you know, if um, like even with like erectile dysfunction or like premature ejac- ejaculation, like there's so much embarrassment and it's anxiety, sure. right? You're like, yeah. Oh, I'm so, you know, I feel so bad. And it's like, it's okay. It's normal. It's fine. And I think that like with um, having, you know, with, and also, I mean, another common, um, another common outcome after sexual trauma is many people trying to reclaim their bodies by having a lot of sex um, and, you know, just trying to like re kind of have that agency and authority over their own bodies. And that's, you know, if that's what you want to do, then of course, that's awesome. Just making sure about being, you know, safe and informed. But another thing is that 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 can also contribute to many people experiencing like another um, having a second or subsequent experience with assault because um, just not of their own fault, obviously, but just of being like, I know that another thing I was experiencing is like trying to maybe drink alcohol before going out or before having a sexual experience in order to kind of like kind of like distance myself from the Mm -hmm. experience or like relax you know and just but that is not I wouldn't recommend it um because one I was getting myself into like bad situations from drinking too much um and two you know actually drinking a lot can actually also um you know not it can lead to dryness it can lead to just like just a lot of negative side effects of like having like blacking out especially so you know I think that that's another thing that can happen and that's pretty common and um especially when you're just trying to take the reins and deal with it yourself without trying to actually do anything um I think that I I don't know I definitely went through that and I think that was really hard and 
you know, I, I did try to bring it up with someone and then I just started crying and like, you know, it was just, or like I ran out of the room and there's just so many experiences I had where I just was like unable to talk about it at all. And, um, you know, to the point that I ended up getting back together with my ex because I think I just knew I could just be honest and I, and you know, I could talk about it and now I'm actually dating again. So, uh, I don't know. It's like my first time dating since, since all of that and kind of like having more healing and understanding and like, uh, language, but you know, I have yet actually have yet to have that experience of bringing it up now. Actually. Yeah. So I don't know, but I do think, I, I hope, I definitely feel a lot more confident even having this conversation. I think like four years ago, I would have, I don't think I would have even been able to have this conversation. So, um, but yeah, I think as far as like the best advice that I would have is like really working on yourself to kind of heal what you've been through, acknowledging what you've been through, knowing that it's not your fault and, um, and kind of like being able to have those conversations with a partner and, um, and a, and a good, healthy partner will at least, you know, and no one knows how to talk about this. Right. And so if they kind of get tense, also give them a little bit of grace for the fact that they don't necessarily have the tools to talk through this either. But I think someone who approaches it in a way that's at least respectful and empathetic and caring is really what you want to start with and then go from there and then be able to, you know, you can say like, Hey, when uh, you're on top, it actually makes me feel a little claustrophobic or it brings up bad memories for me. Being able to identify your triggers and communicate them, I think is just a starting point um, so that your partner can kind of avoid it and work around it. Or like even saying, hey, this, instead of maybe that approach, you can also just say, what feels good for you? Because a lot of people want to focus on like what feels good and they want to pleasure you, of course. So you can say, this is what I really like, or I really like, you know, uh, when I'm in this position, or I really like this experience and just kind of taking it at your own pace and you know, giving yourself the time to heal because it's not overnight and, you know, it's, it's okay. And it's, um, I think just, yeah, I think communication is everything and finding re just kind of finding your own relationship with your body over again can also be a good starting point. So sorry, it's a long answer, but no, it's really appreciated, appreciated. Um, yeah. And I think kind of in the same vein, like well, A, communication is key. That's said so much in a relationship. But I do think that the subtext of that is, like, communication is key in a sexual relationship. Like, you know, as you were saying with bringing up maybe what is, a, like, a negative trigger versus what is actually enjoyable. But, you know, I've I've been going back and forth and, and toying with the the conversation topic of, like, do you bring up, oh, I, like, actually take a medication for my anxiety that lowers my libido. Like, you know, A, do you bring that up? B, how? Like, like oh, how's your day? Good. You know, like, it's not, it's not exactly, like, something just slip in on a first date. But, you know, it's important because I think otherwise you get down this rabbit hole of being with a partner who you are not completely upfront with in the beginning and then you may, like, fake an orgasm and then all of a sudden you're like shit I just I guess I have to do this for the rest of my time with this person 
Um, and you know, then as you said, they're in their own head being like, why is she not enjoying this? So it's just like, again, a vicious cycle. So I was curious if you had ever like, you know, explored that on your page or, um, with taboo. And if so, like what advice would you give to people if they are taking medication that lowers their libido or maybe, you know, are trying to have that conversation with a partner that it's, it's not them. It's the person who's, you know. Totally. So yes, I, I agree. And yeah, it's, it's one thing to say like communication is key and, um, and then to practice it in your real life yeah. is like a totally different scenario because you can know the right thing to do and then doing it is, you know, hard. Um, and so I think a lot of, one of the top recommendations that um, are like the, the experts that we've worked with have recommended is kind of just First of all, like having these conversations outside of the bedroom. So not necessarily in the moment, but like you said, at dinner or like not necessarily dinner, but like maybe going for a walk. I think going for a walk can be great because you're not necessarily staring at them in the eye. You kind of have a little bit of um, comfort of, you know, walking and having that conversation and then just figuring out what's comfortable for you. Even practicing, practicing that conversation in the mirror or just like at home when you're by yourself and, or even with a friend. And just like practicing what you want to say and also what is the point of like what you want to say. So, mm -hmm. you know, am I just sharing and I'm just having a conversation? Am I like, what, what is what, like, you can't predict the outcome of what they're going to say. You also can't control what they're going to say. And what you say, honestly, has no bearing really on what they're, I mean, maybe if you say something a certain way, but whatever, like just be yourself. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's, I think a lot of people are like, how do I word this so that they will be understanding? And it's like them being understanding is, has nothing to do with like how you word something. But I do think when you have at least confidence about it, about talking about it, I think that helps a lot because then it takes the burden off of, because I think a lot of people are like, well, I was watching Real Housewives the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and in all seriousness, this is where I really get the life wisdom. But, um, you know, the, I don't know if you've watched like Real Housewives in New York, but I'm like going, starting from like season one and there's a, I don't know if she, what you call her a character, but a cast member, a housewife. Has, <laughs> a housewife who has a prosthetic leg. And, you know, I think she kind of brings it up. She brings it up and she talks about it. And the fact that she's comfortable talking about it makes the other people comfortable talking about it. But mm -hmm. when you're bringing something up, I used to do this all the time. Like, so, you know, uh, uh, I kind of want to like talk about this thing. Like maybe like, I don't know what you're going to say. It, then the person's like imagining the worst, first of all. And they're also just like, they're racing in their own minds. But if you can present it like, Hey, you know, I'm actually on a medication. Sorry. My calendar thing just went off. But if, um, if you can say like, Hey, I'm on a medication and these are some of the side effects. And this is something that I experience from time to time. And um, I just wanted to talk to you about it because I'd love to sort of talk about how I've dealt with it or how it's manifested itself in other relationships or how you think about it. Or like, is there anything that like, is that something that you've experienced, you know, just kind of making it a conversation as opposed to like this, you're admitting this like scary thing, I think just also gives them, and, and you can even say like, if you have questions, I'm told, like, I'd love to answer questions. This is something that I want to work through with you and maybe presenting it as like, 
hey, I really like you and I want this to, like, I want to build something with you. Or even if it's just for sex, like, hey, I really want to have sex with you, but I want you to know that from time to time, I don't always have the strongest desire because of the medication that I'm on. It has nothing to do with you. It's just something that I experience. Then it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, how are they going to act? It's so true. It's like the energy you bring, like, is the baseline of like what they can build off of so it's like if you bring like some just like this isn't a big conversation we're not like you know making life decisions right now I just want to chat with you about this like that's a whole different energy than I need to tell you something like kind of a deal yeah Yeah, it almost feels like I think a lot of people approach it with like in an apologetic way yeah so sorry I just may not it's like no, there's something to be sorry for. First of all, you don't even know. Maybe they don't also, maybe they're also on medication, you know, like it just, and that might give them the opportunity to share something. And so just bring it up and know what you want to say. And that's why I would recommend like practicing it or, you know, being like, Hey, I want to talk to you about some, like, Hey, let's go on a walk. And then just, you know, not like, Hey, we're talking about star Wars. And suddenly you're like, I don't even know why I was in Star Wars. Like, I could not even have a two-minute conversation about Star Wars. But, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> suddenly you're like, oh, but also. Um, but, you know, whenever it feels organic, um, you know, just – or if you see – sometimes also another recommendation a lot of, like, I've heard uh, educators and therapists bring up is, like, bringing up an article, like, hey, I read this thing about blah, 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 you know. Well, that's more so if it's something you want to try, but it could still be like, hey, you know, maybe you're watching a movie and like one of the characters is experiencing depression and you can be like, yeah, I really like, what do you think of the movie? I really resonated with that character because this is mm-hmm. something I've also experienced, you know? Or like, oh, I listened to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if you can find resources for them, that can also be really helpful because they might have questions. We actually were creating a series for partners of people who have experienced sexual assault. So like you can find resources that you like or a podcast episode and be like, Hey, you know, uh, I'd love for you to listen to this. I think it might help you. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that helps too. A hundred percent. Hi guys. Me again, really quick. Wanted to talk about better help because I love therapy and just everyone should know how amazing it is. So again, BetterHelp is the largest online counseling service. They offer um, in like weekly, bi-weekly sessions uh, that you can have with a licensed professional counselor over uh, like telehealth, but that's, you know, everything's telehealth right now because we have, we're in a fucking pandemic. So it's just makes so much sense and it's just such a more affordable option than regular therapy, even though I love that. But unfortunately, that's just how our mental health care system is. So try BetterHelp. Uh, get 10% off your first order by going to try, sorry, your first month by going to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. I promise you, you will not regret it. Seriously, therapy fucks. I love it. So trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe, Z-O-E, for your 10% off your first month. So I always wrap up with a couple of questions unrelated to anything we've been talking about, but from the New York Times, and I just like ending with them. So the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Um, a stronger person today? Jeez. I, I'm like thinking of things, and I'm like, oh, that sounds dark. I don't know. Um, I, I would say... Um, 
the my parents separation made me stronger because I yeah I don't know I think it made me stronger because um it was not like it was like a super devastating thing for me it really wasn't um but I think that like move like you know just like living I think having like a single mother and um witnessing her and how strong and amazing she is is what made me sort of like um a stronger person because I admire her so much and just like uh you know she's an inspiration for me I love that do you believe everything happens for a reason I do why (laughs) um you know I I think it just gets me through the day because (laughs) I have to find reason for like the bad negative unfortunate things that happen and so I'm always trying to like see a silver lining and think like oh well this must be leading to something else exactly like finding the learning experiences and everything if um do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by oh yeah I feel like I do have a bunch but um (laughs) um I feel like this, the, to bring up Star Wars is hilarious. I literally haven't even seen all the Star Wars movies. I'm not. Yeah, I've never seen a single one. <laughs> so ridiculous that this is even, I can't even believe I've brought it up twice at this point. Um, sorry to any real fans, but there was like this Yoda quote, I think. And it was like, there is no try, just do. And I, I butchered it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. But, um, but for me, I think that I just love the idea that like, I don't know. I have a lot of friends who are like, I, w- I want to do this. I wish I could do this. And it's like, why can't you, you know, just do it and just go for it. I don't know. I'm just a very much like a, when people say they want to do something enough and they're not doing anything to make it happen, I'm like, you don't actually want to do it. Like theoretically you do, but you, but you really don't. Yeah. yeah. Like you could, it's okay. I just looked it up. It's there is no try only do. So only do, really close. <laughs> close enough. When's your birthday, by the way? I need to know. Oh, February 10th. I'm an Aquarius. Oh, interesting. I've had so many Aquariuses, Aquarii, on the podcast because they like to disseminate knowledge. Someone the other day was like, what are the negative traits of Aquarius? And I was like, I'm not like super into Zodiac sign or anything. I'm really not. I don't know anything. And I was like, I don't think we have negative traits. (laughs) Um, None. No, but you do like to disseminate information and like share with everyone. So that would make sense as to why I have a lot of Aquarius is on the podcast. Next question is, what do you love most about yourself? Um, I think I'm just a very curious person. I love, I also love asking like people questions and learning new things. And I think that helps me have just like, I can never be really bored because there's always something I can learn and do and um, and also opens me up to meeting really cool, interesting people that I would never would ne- necessarily like, we don't, we have nothing in common, but I think they're really interesting. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think curiosity is like the best quality. And last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city? And city can be either like one of the billions of cities you've lived in or like, you know, theoretical, <laughs> can be anything. Um... You know, I will have to say it would be the Real Housewives because <laughs> for me, I, I just, it's like having time to just decompress and just totally, you know, not stress. Like it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, you can tie things. I'm always tying things to like, like even just in the conversation, I'm like, oh, here's an example. 
Because you can always make connections in life between whatever, you know, even if it seems completely like random and ridiculous. But yeah, for me, it's just like, just, or just watching TV, chilling, like spending time with my friends. Um, But just kind of the more meaningless things in life just bring me peace and joy. A hundred percent. Wait, now I need to know because I've literally binge watched every single Bravo TV show and I was like, I'm not going to dip as low as the housewives. So which do I go The other shows are low or, or above the housewives. I, know, I was like watching the low deck Mediterranean. I'm like, this needs to stop. So which do I start with? New York? You know, I would do New York because I actually was just introduced to New York. I started with Beverly Hills okay. and then I watched OC. Then I got into Atlanta and Potomac and I kind of stopped with OC and Beverly Hills is disappointing me a little bit right now because there's a lot of like mean girlness going on. And for me, the New York housewives, I think, um, I don't know. They're like, they're very entertaining, very funny, ambitious. They're actually friends a lot. Of, like I also started with the last two seasons and then now I started with season oh, one. Okay. <laughs> so, so now I'm seeing like origin and actually, which is tough because people I liked, I'm like, Ooh, wait, maybe I don't like you anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I would start with, I would start with New York. Okay, good to know. That's what I'll probably do. Also, I heard like Caitlyn Jenner might be on Beverly Hills going forward. Kim or not Kim? I'm sorry. Court. Oh my God, what's the mom? It's it's the mom. Um, um, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh my gosh. Chris. Wow. Chris. She's gonna like yeah. She was gonna say she's gonna come kill us. <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on? Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, she like already is so famous. She's gonna take I would be really surprised if she does it, but I guess their show ended, so yeah. it does open up. I would be shocked. I would truly be shocked. It she's also changed dynamic completely because I just feel like she's like her own entity. Like it would just be weird. I don't know. I really thought it was Caitlyn was going on though, because Chris is really good friends with Kyle. Um, oh, she wants to join it. Oh, really? Oh, shoots down. Oof, Andy Cohen. <laughs> Not having it. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Anyways. So I'll watch Vanderpump Rules then. I haven't. I've watched like... Oh, okay. Then I don't think they have the, the beginning episodes on Bravo TV. Oh, okay. Well, I, I stopped watching it. It's just very like toxic. Not good. Yeah. I like... I mean, I did summer house i've watched southern charm love southern charm oh so good um blow deck blow deck med <laughs> i haven't watched those blow deck's great i'm a, actually a huge fan <laughs> it makes me want to travel the world so good um but anyways mia thank you so much for coming on where can everyone follow you follow talk taboo learn more about taboo yeah, um, so, yeah, everything. Thank you so so much for having me on. This is a really good conversation. I hope that uh, I didn't talk in total tangents all the time, um, as I have a tendency to do. But you can find taboo. Talk taboo is just talk taboo. T a l k period t a b u on Instagram, which um, or I said tbu, and then talktaboo.com, Same thing. Um, that's where all like our articles are. We're starting to do more video content. Um, and then as for me. I'm just on Instagram, which is M to the I A M T O T H E I A. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like entirely exciting on there, but I do tend, I think my stories can be funny sometimes. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again. And bye, everyone. Thank you.